pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. And this is so important to me. For those who have chosen not to support me in the past, of which there were a few people, I'm reaching out to you for your guidance and your help so that we can work together and unify our great country. As I've said from the beginning, ours was not a campaign, but rather an incredible and great movement made up of millions of hardworking men and women who love their country and want a better, brighter future for themselves and for their family. It's a movement comprised of Americans from all races, religions, backgrounds, and beliefs who want and expect our government to serve the people and serve the people it will. Working together, we will begin the urgent task of rebuilding our nation and renewing the American dream. I've spent my entire life in business looking at the untapped potential in projects and in people all over the world. That is now what I want to do for our country. Tremendous potential. I've gotten to know our country so well. Tremendous potential. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Every single American will have the opportunity to realize his or her fullest potential. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. That's uh, Donald Trump uh, speaking triumphantly after being named as the president-elect. Hillary Clinton had uh, earlier phoned him to concede, as you heard, just as he uh, started uh, speaking to the nation and indeed the world. Uh, Our correspondent uh, in the U.S., Sherwin Bryce Peace, uh, joins us on the line. Sherwin, good uh, morning to you. Good afternoon, this end of the world. Uh, Clearly, it's been a busy, busy time for you. Of course, New York is the center of where everything has been happening. And this elect- if this election had been decided on New York alone, Hillary Clinton would have been a shoe-in. So what's the reaction uh, in New York itself? Confusion, disbelief, anger, just absolute – people are absolutely stunned. I mean, we were in Times Square for most of the night uh, last night watching the results come in. And people were just sort of staring, stunned at the screens as the returns were coming in. I mean, this was completely unexpected. None of the polling, none of the modeling had predicted this kind of sweep from Trump. Uh, you know, he had to clean the table, basically, in terms of the very narrow path that he had uh, towards winning the White House. And he did just that, if not more. Uh, you know, at one point, uh, he had won Florida, South, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, and, you know, had to basically then win blue states that hadn't gone Republican since the 1980s, states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. And uh, in Michigan right now, it's leaning Republican. He's won Wisconsin. He's won Pennsylvania. Uh, Clinton had a terrible, terrible night. I mean, she had thousands of people packed into a venue in Manhattan at the Javits Center with a glass ceiling, a glass ceiling that she was meant to brush at her. And, of course, that didn't happen. The fireworks that she had on the Hudson ready to go and 
<laughs> she was supposed to be make history uh, didn't were not set off. I mean, this was just a terrible night for Democrats. Look, she, they haven't only just lost the White House; they they failed to regain the majority in the House of Representatives. They failed to take the the majority in the Senate. The Republicans will, under a Trump presidency, control all three arms of government. They will be able to appoint the next Supreme Court justice. This is this is a devastating loss in many ways for Democrats, particularly given the historic nature of the last two terms uh, in at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Absolutely. Uh, uh, President Obama battled, of course, with uh, Republicans dominating in the House of Representatives as well. Conciliatory tones were taken by Trump in that speech, saying it's now time for uh, Americans to come together. Again, asking about uh, the feeling on the ground, particularly in New York, about whether people uh, actually buy into that. Are people ready to accept uh, Donald Trump and say, well, you won fair and square and uh, maybe you aren't as bad as we thought? Well, on the one hand, I mean, people will accept it. I mean, certainly New Yorkers, that's my sense of them. I don't expect to see riots on the streets uh, of New York uh, in response to this. But I think there's, there's still a sense of disbelief. I don't think the New Yorkers that we spoke to were ready to embrace a Trump presidency. That's just being absolutely true. And I think it would be true if, if Hillary Clinton won and you were talking to Republicans in Texas or in, in Kentucky or Indiana. This is a very, very divided country. And I think any... Uh, president or, or, or the winner of, of this presidential campaign that came up was always going to talk about, uh, you know, being a president for everybody. The popular vote here is split in the 50 million region. This is not a unified country at all. I mean, and we've seen that under President Obama. We've seen the obstruction that Republicans have delivered to his doorstep in terms of him uh, not being able to implement his full agenda. So, And you saw Hillary Clinton actually pivot towards that kind of message, that she wanted to be a president for everybody uh, in the latter stages of her campaign. What you heard from Donald Trump at the latter stages of the campaign is, if we don't do this now, we're going to never be able to do this again. Uh, and, and his message of fear has resonated clearly. Thanks to our reporter in New York, uh, Sherwin Bryce-Pease, coming up to 20 minutes past 12. We're joined now by the Acting Executive Director at the Institute for Global Dialogue, IGD Palanim Tembo. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Uh, Trump uh, saying it's time for Americans to come together. There were certainly lots of division in the build-up to this. And in fact, uh, Donald Trump himself was fermenting divisions within the United States. Uh, so the first question, I guess, is, is he up to bringing Americans together and actually making the country great again, as he's promised? Well, the thing is, the country is probably more divided today than we've seen in a very long time. And in fact, this election just crystallized this divide in U.S. politics. I don't think it's necessarily the Trump campaign that has been divisive. I think politics in the United States has been divisive, not only with uh, the ascendance of Trump. We also saw in the Obama administration, you know, how Congress um, and, um, and the Senate uh, basically reacted, you know, basically stalling every um, attempted uh, legislation that Obama would try to push. So we're talking about a very divided political system where there's basically you know, where basically nothing is moving. And if we even looked at the, at the, at the Clinton campaign, you know, we, it, it was almost like watching um, um, two campaigns wh- whose idea of reality was completely uh, opposite sides of the world. 
I mean, the Clinton campaign and, 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 and the pollsters and the political analysts and the newspapers, you know, everyone was almost um, rooting for Hillary Clinton and made it almost an impossible, uh, an impossible idea that even Trump would win. But I think what this shows is exactly the problem that uh, takes place when you brand, you know, people populists and so forth. Mm. We know that globally there is a rise in populism. We're seeing it in across Europe. We're seeing it uh, in the United States. These are trends that have been taking place. Um, but it's not enough to simply say, to simply dismiss your political opponent as a populist and then get back as though things are normal. Because often, when populism arises, it's often a sign that the status quo is simply not working mm. or that the status quo is failing. So this is also an indictment of those who, who, who failed, you know, to basically see even the possibility that Trump might even uh, become president. I mean, it's almost everyone. We had the Brexit, and everyone did not expect that. But we thought that was just a, a mere anomaly and that things would just normalize in global politics. But what we're seeing now is there's a real crisis in uh, Western democracies, and the results of this election will take us to places that we do not really understand yet well, uh, where we are going. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that because you specifically spoke about uh, divided uh, House of Representatives. Now, the, 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 everything's stacked in Trump's favor moving forward to now deliver exactly. on those uh, populist uh, policies which he's spoken about. He's got the Senate. He's got the Congress. So, so how dramatic are these shifts going to be? Or as we heard in his speech, uh, is he going to throttle back some of that populism? Well, I think if we've learned anything um, from the primaries, uh, from the general election, um, if we've learned anything is that Trump is going to be Trump. You know, um, uh, 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 he delivered this victory. He, 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 he sees uh, his campaign sees it as an overwhelming mandate from the American people to take his policies through. So, if you look even within the Republican Party, there were divisions within the Republican Party. And yes, the Republicans have emerged as, um, as more powerful uh, today than they even had imagined. But it's Trump who delivered that. In fact, it's Trump who went against the Republican establishment. So Trump is going to want um, to lead, you know. Uh, 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 Trump is not someone who is going to uh, suddenly ascend, you know, into the White House and then, and then pull himself back and say the politicians who he's been against within the Republican Party should take over. I mean, we, the, the reality is we really don't know what a Trump presidency will be. But what we do know, as you said, is that he has the mandate of the American people and he has the House behind him. And, he, you know, he will be able to choose also um, 
um, or to, to, to basically choose a, a judge for the highest court of, 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 of the law. So everything looks to be aligning in a, in a, in a manner that empowers Trump to carry through whatever agenda that he has. Economic uh, policy uh, domestically is going to be interesting to see how that shapes up. That's going to affect all of us one way or the other, whether there's protectionism or the like. But uh, let's talk specifically about uh, foreign policy because there have been mixed reaction around the globe uh, to uh, Trump being uh, elected as president. Uh, some Muslims are saying it's going to increase uh, polarization and difficulties between uh, groups. Uh, the Russian president, of course, has offered his congratulations. Are we seriously mm. going to see a, a, a really uh, big thawing of relations between Russia and the United States? And uh, how big of an impact that is that going to have? Well, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a big opportunity. I think for for the United States and and Russia to actually work together on some of these common problems. The reality is that, irrespective of who occupies the White House, in order to solve some of the key um, problems that we see in the world, um, a great example, Syria. In order to solve that problem, you need Russia and the United States to work together. You absolutely need that to happen. Without that, we are simply on all of these conflicts that we see throughout the world. So the idea of the United States working closer with Russia for me, it doesn't frighten me. In fact, um, there are opportunities in that sense. I mean, we, 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 we've also seen, you know, Trump criticizing uh, Clinton's foreign policies and that. And the reality is that um, we might actually, you know, we might actually see a United States that does actually put some restraint when it comes to foreign policy because Trump will be under a lot of pressure, I think, to do what he's been saying uh, at home, which is to make America great again and to address domestic problems. The reason that Trump is in the White House is not because of foreign policy issues. It is because there are serious socioeconomic problems within the United States. And it is true that certain free trade agreements have hurt the American working class. And, and a lot of them have actually gotten behind um, the Trump administration. So, very interesting time in terms of global politics. And I think, of course, it, 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 it makes sense to now try to assess um, what future dire- direction uh, American foreign policy will take. But the reality is Trump has to exercise foreign policy in a multipolar world order. That means American supremacy is not enough anymore. The United States, irrespective of who is president, cannot get its way unilaterally. It has to work with Russia. It has to work with China. And a failure to do that, um, we've seen what consequences that has on millions across the world. Thank you very much to Pilaniam Tembu, who's uh, acting executive director at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Uh, some reaction to the election of uh, Donald Trump as the next uh, president of the United States. In the U.S. elections is Russian President Vladimir Putin. In a statement, uh, Putin told Trump that he hopes to work with him to improve relations between the two countries.
In fact, he says he wants a restoration of full relations as, as congratulatory messages continue to trickle in following Trump's win over Hillary Clinton. For more uh, on the situation in Brussels and Europe is our correspondent, Jack Parrick. Jack, good afternoon to you. Uh, Europe's response, uh, broadly speaking, I suppose, uh, to begin our little chat. Tell us about it. Well, we've heard from the European Union uh, presidents of the European Commission and the European Council, Donald Tusk and Jean-Claude Juncker, essentially them congratulating uh, Donald Trump on his election win and saying that they believe that the uh, European Union and the U.S. must continue to uh, consolidate the bridges of the relationship between the two sides. And that will be the tone. There are major concerns here. I don't think there's any doubt about that, about what a Trump presidency will mean for European-U.S. relations. But they obviously want to start them off on the right foot. The one thing, of course, uh, that uh, Trump had spoken about in his campaign was the relationship with NATO and possibly cutting all ties uh, with that. Uh, on the defense front, there are a huge number of issues, uh, not only the economic issues. Uh, tell us about those. Indeed, we heard multiple times from Donald Trump in the uh, campaigning period saying that he would be willing to leave NATO. Obviously, the European Union looks to NATO and its military cooperation with the United States as a very important part of the security and defense uh, operations. Um, And I think there is some real uh, soul-searching to be done in the European Union, I suppose, about what a president who is more likely who has been outwardly more in favor of the Kremlin in Russia than in favor of NATO, what that might mean. Uh, It's very, very early to tell. We've heard from the NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg encouraging Donald Trump uh, to essentially stay on board and saying what an important military alliance NATO is. But what will happen when Trump comes to Brussels to speak with his counterparts and to discuss these issues well, that is something we're going to have to wait and see. Jack, uh, just uh, finally, in terms of uh, the reaction to Trump's victory, there was a shock in New York. Uh, some Americans who, of course, uh, believed that Trump, uh, well, Trump was going to get beaten by Hillary Clinton, uh, shocked. Uh, how shocked uh, ordinary people uh, in Brussels? Well, I think from Facebook feeds and Twitter feeds, there is a lot of shock, to be honest. It did look like a done deal, didn't it, yesterday when we were all heading off that we thought that it would pretty much be a Clinton presidency. The polls were suggesting it. The American media outlets were were almost certain that it would be Clinton. Um, And I think there's been a lot of support for Clinton here in Brussels as well. She is what we would probably consider to be a sort of Brussels politician, towing the line mainly on the kind of normal order of things. Uh, And I think... In a way, people were looking forward to, to, to seeing a U.S. female president as well. Obviously, now that's not happened, and there will be a, a lot of looking into how Europe goes on in its relations with the United States. Now Donald Trump will be president. Jack Parrick in uh, Brussels. Some reaction from Europe on Trump's uh, election as U.S. president. So Hillary Clinton conceded uh, the election, having fought it at the final hurdle. And contrary to the polls that gave her quite a good chance of taking the White House, uh, Trump uh, picked up 288 Electoral College uh, votes versus Clinton's 215. He needed uh, 270 to take the Oval Office. Noma Balani reports. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. 
She congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very hard-fought campaign. I mean, she, she fought very hard. The New York businessman has confounded the skeptics and the polls by putting up a strong showing that has propelled him into the White House. This historic election result is placing the legacy of President Barack Obama in a precarious state. The U.S. president-elect took to the stage at his victory rally in New York. Ours was not a campaign, but rather an incredible and great movement made up of millions of hardworking men and women who love their country and want a better, brighter future for themselves and for their family. Working together, we will begin the urgent task of rebuilding our nation and renewing the American dream. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Every single American will have the opportunity to realize his or her fullest potential. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. Here are some American voters giving insight on how they voted. Trump's whole spiel over the past couple months has really changed my mind. I wasn't going to vote, but I decided to come out after I heard Trump. I think it was a very dirty campaign. The media was like very involved. Clearly the candidates were not well liked, so I'll be glad when it's over. I voted for Hillary. I'm a registered Republican, and I'm very, very disappointed in the development of our party. And being at the two candidates, there really was only one option. She's qualified. I voted for Donald Trump because... To be honest, you know, I, I, I'm not really educated on the candidates, so I don't really know. I'm clueless. The United States Ambassador to South Africa, Patrick Gaspard, says the partnership between America and South Africa will remain strong despite the election outcome. Gaspard was addressing a small crowd gathered at the U.S. Embassy in Pretoria who are monitoring the election results. I continue to be wildly optimistic about what the future holds for uh, our partnership, Uh, and for uh, our people. Please know that uh, not only uh, does the partnership between the American people and the South African people endure, not only is our partnership with South Africa one of the only truly bipartisan things that there's consensus on in the U.S. Capitol, but please know uh, that it is near and dear uh, to my heart as well. The election has attracted global attention as citizens of the world ponder the implication of Trump's presidency. South Africans are no exceptions. I think it's a fantastic result for history, for the world. Probably people are a bit distraught. I'll be totally honest, totally unexpected. I woke up this morning and I was like, is this happening? America has spoken. This is who they want. This is a reflection on who, what, where they are. I cannot believe that Americans can do this to the rest of us all over the world. This election is actually wasn't just about the U.S. electing somebody to be president. I think that we could have survived Hillary Clinton because it's a devil that we know. That uh, report compiled by Noma Bolani, Risha Madari and Sherwin Bryce-Pease. South Africa followed uh, most other markets uh, with a sharp dip when it opened, but uh, it certainly rallied uh, quite strongly. But there was uh, certainly a bunch of mayhem earlier, particularly uh, with the Nikkei's plunging 5.4%. Mark Boland, African Middle East economist at Bloomberg Intelligence, uh, joins us. I suppose, uh, first of all, Mark, we were a bit lucky that by the time we opened, uh, the job was just about done, so we missed the worst of the freefall. 
Yes, I mean, everything, markets were a bit, bit of a state of flux, but uh, then when you had the uh, Trump's acceptance speech suggested a more conciliatory tone, a less radical approach to things, policy in general, then what he's, uh, some of the things he's been saying uh, during the campaign to that definitely reassured markets, and we've seen a bit of a recovery since. Analysts had warned there was uh, going to be uh, plenty of tumult, uh, whatever the result was. But in terms of those reactions, uh, specifically we look at the Nikkei, some of the other um, indices uh, plunged but uh, recovered enough to sort of end the day a bit stronger. Uh, Does this just demonstrate how nervous people are about the potential for Trump going forward? Yes, I just think it reflects that there's a large state of uncertainty. Okay, people have looked at what Trump had been saying, but then also saying that if he gets into power, he'll have to deal with a Congress that won't always be in tune with what he say. They'll have to moderate his policy quite a lot. And certainly if you listen to the acceptance speech, uh, that also suggests that. He's talking more about uh, uh, improving infrastructure, making large-scale infrastructure investments, something that's uh, considerably less controversial than some of the trade policies he's talked about. I mean, you have, uh, uh, you know, commentators like Paul Krugman and uh, Larry Summers that, if anything, are on the other side of the political spectrum advocating these kind of uh, solutions or these kind of policies for a very long time. So now it looks like that might be more likely. I mean, I think Trump knows that some of these policies he does, he did suggest or indicate could potentially be very damaging for intellectual, for relations with uh, with uh, the U.S. partners. So um, I think it looks uh, it's looking a bit more promising now than maybe what we saw earlier just after the uh, after the announcement. Yeah, on that front, I mean, now every time he opens his mouth, his mouth uh, it's going to be viewed as a very, very serious statement of intent going into the White House. Uh, presumably we should uh, prepare ourselves uh, for a bit of uh, angst on that front. Yes, I think so. I mean, it's uh, close to three months. Uh, he'll take office in in January, so so there's there's pretty uh, there's plenty of time to kind of iron things over. And I think he does realise that he'll have to deal with Congress. I mean, that's one of the more poignant things that Barack Obama said is, you know, you're elected to the most powerful position in the world, but it was stunned by how actually how little you can actually get done because uh, you need to get things through, through uh, Congress. And I think also Trump uh, realizes that a lot of the policies, you know, maybe they'll have a, you know, positive longer, arguably a positive longer term impact. But, uh, I mean, if you look at trade policies and all that, I mean, it's similar to what you've had with a Brexit vote, where a lot of people want, you know, uh, are essentially voting against uh, free trade, you know, and the sort of trade system we've had, but the more sort of market impact has been an increase inflation, increases prices, and that's kind of eating into the uh, the spending power of a lot of these voters, both the Brexit voters in the UK and in the US, uh, the Trump voters there. Thanks to Mark Boland, African Middle East economist at Bloomberg Intelligence. I can tell you uh, the JSC all share marginally up 0.24%. That's been driven particularly by gold mining, which is uh, 7.29% up at the moment. It had uh, reached nearly 10% up as people moved into uh, safe uh, havens, so to speak. Uh, financials down 1.11%, also industrial 25 uh, down 0.88%. But as I say, they all share up 0.24% on the day.